The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. And welcome once again to It Came From Radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres speaking. I am here once again by myself, virtually distance, of course, um, because we have another show full of interviews and segments. Um, we're going to have another Jay Bird and Lee segment, and in two separate interviews, uh, L-Man and Jenny Feldy uh, talks with two authors, Frank DeStefano and Shanti Hen Hershenshen. I'm sorry, Shanti, if you're listening. I tried to pronounce it right, but it just didn't happen. Um, but before we do any of that, we have to take it away with the non-news. It's Morphin Time! The non-news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of Sci-Fi.Radio. That's Sci-Fi for your Wi-Fi. As well as the fine folks of the Big Elbow Con, which we are the official radio show of celebrating over 25 years of comicness and pop culture stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. The next convention is scheduled for the December the 17th, which is the Big Apple Christmas Con, and the headliner is none other than Brian O'Hallahan uh, from Clerks uh, 1, 2, and 3. Um, tickets are on sale right now. I want to give a shout out to our Patreons of which there are Danny Guillermo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous for the Media, Unjikun, Shadow Art, Yasin Ray, and Rosa. You want to get your own little shout out? Go to our website, www.camefair.com. There's a button up there that goes, uh, for donate. Take it right to our Patreon page and just for a dollar a month, you get a shout out on our show. We would greatly appreciate it. So with that, as I mentioned, there's no news. So we're going to take our break and we'll be right back with the Game for the Radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. My neural net processor is linked to sci-fi.radio. sci-fi for my Wi-Fi. The more I listen, the more I learn. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jay Bird and Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today, we're going to talk about Comic-Con. The New York City Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Not the Long Island one. <laughs> I know, the Eternal Con, which your brother seems to like a lot more than the NYC one. Honestly, it's sort of, it's nice. What are but... you... Okay, okay. You're shocking me. Okay. <laughs> N- the Long Island one is smaller. Right. So you get more, like, I feel like there's more space. Yeah. Know? And I don't know, I just, I like it. I saw a lot of the re- same repeats at the New York City one. Well, I guess you're just talking about, what, the Star Wars stuff and the artists or, like, are you Yeah, and the about? artists. I mean, don't get me wrong, like, there were a lot more people who dressed up. But, um, There were more famous artists at the New York City one. Well, I didn't. Well, we who, didn't. Who was there? Well, Frank Miller, for one, who does all, like, the Sin City stuff. and just, I don't know what Sin City is. Uh, all right. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, well, okay. But did you enjoy the New York City one? It was fun. Yes, it was fun. It was fun. I would get in there later, though. We woke up too early. We went there one day. We woke day. up too early. We went there one day. We you woke know? up too early. Oh, my gosh. Okay. We got... We did woke it, up. We- it was closing at five, and we had to get there so, by like ten. So we it's we like an hour. We could have gotten there at one and spent four hours there. In the New York City Comic Con, that yeah. is huge. Four hours is fine. Oh my gosh, you! <laughs> I would say I would say anybody listening to this show, <laughs> especially Mark, okay, from it came from the radio, would be like, this is blasphemous. All right, because he spent oh, yeah, right four days. <laughs> There, okay, and the same with Ra- Ralph, right? From Written Writ, right? They would be there all night. 
all day, every yeah, day. I mean, it's it's cool, but. <laughs> okay, it's not. Uh, so, what was your favorite part of that? I think that some of the costumes there were pretty awesome. There was this giant robot thing, like yeah. it had, like it was sponsored by something, right? But it egg, looked yeah. like a transformer. Yeah, and it was very cool. Yeah, it was amazing. I did. I wish we. I don't know. I wanted to look more. I want. I like wandering on my own at these type of things. They're just too many and people. We, yeah. There. There, many no, people. that's the thing. There were so many people that it was like, eh. Like, because it was just, it was very, very compact at multiple parts of it. Right. It was kind of bottlenecking. Yeah. And I was just like, and then I wanted to look at something, but at the same time, like it was getting like jam packed. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Well, it's a very overwhelming experience, right? Yeah. It was our first time there. We didn't know really what we were doing. We didn't plan. The advice was to plan and we didn't do it. We kind of were winging it. Yeah, which actually I would do again. It's not like I don't mind winging it. Yeah, well, but, I think um, if you wanted to see panels and stuff like that. Well, like, what do those really show? Well, they had uh, Daniel Radcliffe. From, he was showing the Weird Al Yankovic movie. Um, what else? They had the Thundercats, uh, the voices of those guys. I guess it also depends on if you like that kind of stuff, you know? I mean, I think it's I think it's okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Um, I don't know. It's not. I wish we looked more at like the. I don't know. There was a lot of the a lot of art. There was a lot of art. Yeah, there was a lot of art. It's, I mean, that's what's so great about it. The cosplay stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like that would have been cool if we saw more of those characters because there was a whole space for that and we yeah. missed it. No, I actually we should go back and like I want to do the cosplay and I like the vendors. Those are the parts that I like. Okay, so we could do it. So would you do it again? I guess. If we get in there at one, get out of here! <laughs> it was a Sunday. It was like nine okay. To five. So let's do Saturday at one, and then we could stay till like ten. Yeah, we'll stay till yeah seven. Yeah, let's. Oh, something. let's do Saturday next time. Okay. Well, okay Saturday yeah, let's do one Saturday. One of the busier days too. I heard it was actually Sunday was worse. Sunday was pretty bad. Yeah, I heard Sunday I heard, but, was worse. But there's just a lot of people. It was, you know. No, that's what. I, well, that's what I mean. Yeah. Well, did you have? Um, all right. So. But you got to you got some pictures with some cosplayers. Yeah. What was that? Moana. Uh, there was Island? a Moana Island person, and it, her costume was just awesome. Yeah, she was awesome. Yeah, there, there were some costumes that were really cool. So some women of X Men, and then I saw this one anime guy who like has a pig head or something. Yeah. And just like he doesn't have a shirt on, he has a pig head, and then it looked like he was a caveman or something. I don't know. It was from some anime. I got you. But there were like a million of those. All right. So you do that again. And yeah. you had a good time afterwards when we had dinner. Yeah. That was... <laughs> uh, Riley and I got to um, have our own table. And by the time that we finished our dessert, they had just... The adults just finished their dinner. Yeah. We were just... Se- we separated yeah. from them. And, like uh, I had two cups of coffee. <laughs> I can't believe you had two cups of coffee. Oh, my god. I needed to be awake for the train ride. I guess that's <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay connected. The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot Club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. Hi, Radioheads. You know this is L-Man. I'm here with Frank Stefano. Maybe I'm saying his name wrong. I hope not. But I'm here with his two books. And not only am I here with his books, but I'm here with him. So if you're watching the video, it's it's probably going to be a little interesting. So, uh, Frank, thank you and welcome. Um, we've never met before, but I have listened to a few interviews of yours today, and they're quite interesting. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, okay, I'm going to go right into it. Now, you wrote a book after watching, tell me if I'm wrong, you watched Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag, thinking it was a terrible movie, no cursing, this is the radio, FCC. No, no, I know. And you basically thought, okay, I could do that. And I think you said to your dad, well, I could do it. And he said, well, do it. So you wrote a book. Is that true? That is very true. I actually hand wrote it first. And, you know. 
Yeah, this was back, oh God, what was it, 96, 97? Wow. So I hand wrote it and didn't really do anything until about 2014 when I actually published it, but I hand wrote it and, you know, different, um, different things I've changed, you know, alters, you know, altered different things that I, I saw would be changeable. I mean, from the first, when I hand wrote it to what it, the finished product that, that you have in front of you is drastically changed. Like I look back and, you know, yeah, that's the Dark Lords. And then there's the other one. Here's the other one right there. So there you go. So, you know, but yeah, drastically there are characters that were not in this one. You know, I'm like, what was I thinking kind of thing? But yeah, I mean, I'm a movie guy. So um, I just definitely went with the flow, you know, and then uh, I, that's what I had to do. Yeah, I, I had to make significant changes for things to make a lot of sense which it didn't you okay. know so i could be i could be a little bossy i'll turn 38 on friday and I, i'm getting a little bossier the older i get because the more experience i see people messing up and i don't want to see the same pe- you know different people making the same mistakes now i've said to uh I, I, I said to someone i was making a podcast with he has all these notes handwritten a whole stack and i said you know stop with the handwritten notes because let's say there's a fire or a flood or you lose them, now that's it. But if you put them on one drive, Microsoft Word or another program, they're up to a cloud. And even if you lose all your devices and the earth disappears, they're still in a cloud somewhere. And I had, I'm gonna name him Esteban. He said this online, this is not breaching confidentiality. He wrote a movie script and apparently one of the characters is based on me. So I'm a little invested narcissistically, I guess. (laughs) And also also, he's a nice guy and I like who he's writing for. Um, and he lost his notebook and it was all handwritten. And I said, I always preach about this. Like, so, so my question for you is writing another book again, would you ever write a book or a handwritten again? Would you do this again? No, because I wasn't, I'm not exactly the most skilled person. And I do have a little thing that I will tell you. So way back when we used to use USBs, I had written a follow-up to the second one like a really long manuscript and i broke the usb your audio is getting really choppy so whatever you're doing try not to move around okay. it sounds like you're at the beach okay. so i okay. broke Sorry. i broke this usb that had a ninety thousand word manuscript on it and oh my god i think i i think i had like four heart attacks you know oh, was it backed yeah. up anywhere I, I do have it, but it is long because I mean it's probably the two the these two books combined, and it's just very long. I haven't got it edited, but it was just oh my god, it was just uh it was like the most disheartening feeling when you when you lose that much and you put so much effort into you know writing and developing and you know oh this would be a great idea, this would be a great idea, and then it's like almost like your heart just sinks to your ankle and stuff like that you know yeah. no you just oh and then you know thank you for geek squad they actually fixed it but it cost oh, a good. lot okay the whole time you were talking i was holding my breath because i was nervous so <laughs> i'm gonna go back to this eight heads in a duffel bag you watch the movie and you're like oh i could do it so me i have a health guidebook i still am writing more pages but part of the reason i have it is because i'd say around the age of 27 28 29 30 I was exposed to all these writers and producers and one book, I'm not going to name the author. This person was so proud of their book and there was a lot of great information, but there was spelling errors on almost every other page. And I was like, wait a second, if this person is doing a book tour and there's spelling errors, why am I getting so nervous? Just write your, your damn book. And with producers, I've seen so many idiot producers i mean one guy i saw getting in a fight with his hands around someone's neck and he's bragging about being this big producer so i'm like okay if this guy is a producer i think i can produce so are there any other people things that you saw where you're like oh god this moron can do it why am i not doing it yeah well that's pretty much why you know this was all before marvel and dc really you know you know flooded the market right you know like I, I saw that movie and I, I wasn't like, oh my God, I could write something better. And then, like you said, my dad said that, you know, and he's like, oh, why don't you? 
So I kind of got a kick in the butt. I'm like, I started writing it. I'm like, this is terrible. Listen, I don't, I, I don't know anybody in the movie industry or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm like, there's, there's got to be something better. And then like, even though this Marvel and DC is all out there, I just feel like it floods the market. Like people want new ideas. They don't want same Marvel and DC. Now you're going to get your percentage of people that want to see that, want mm-hmm. to see the continuation of the DC universe and, you know, the Marvels and continuous stories but something new, something different, something fresh. And, you know, this is why I came up with this guy. And, you know, it's something that, you know, you walk in a bookstore, if you see in a fair, like when, when I do the fairs, I have like a eight foot stretching poster of this guy of the cover of the book. And you walk in by and, and I don't look at people. I look at people's eyes. Oh, and okay. you just start, you start seeing their eyes wander, right? And, and I just did Connecticut about a month ago in Mohegan Sun. And mm-hmm. I, did, I did extremely, you know, a lot of people just stopped and be like, oh, I'm interested, I'm interested. And, I, and that was the best fair I've ever done. You oh, know, nice. so, so, you know, sometimes, you know, I need a, a kick in, in my butt from, you know, my fiance is like, oh, you, you know, you, you know, sometimes, you know, as someone that wants to get it into a Barnes and Nobles or, or whatnot, you know, you get frustrated and be like, man, why can't this be in the Barnes and Nobles? Why can't this be front and center stage for, you know, the millions and millions of people in this in this country and others just be like, oh, let it be out there. But, you know, there's one person like me and there's probably thousands and millions of other writers that are exactly like me trying to do the exactly same thing, you know? Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of similarities between humans and, you, you know, you could do that fight club line. You're not a special snowflake, you know, or yeah, we're all really different. And maybe God and nature, someone put us here for a reason. And you have something special that nobody else has. I, I don't know. I entertain both theories. Oh, but, I do too. Um, yeah. But I'm going to jump to one thing you said in a different interview. Now, you mentioned that you were really inspired by Steven Seagal. Now, in college, I'll be 38 soon. I tried to change my name to Steven Seagal on Facebook 30, 40 times. It never took. I tried. I kept trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and trying on my floor at American University. I don't know. I mean, this is this is what you do. So what about him inspires you? <laughs> well, I used to be a big Steven Seagal fan, you know, so I used to watch his martial arts, you know, you know, Hard to Kill was probably one of my favorite ones, you know, mm-hmm. and Alpha Justice and, you know, under siege who can forget under siege right you know but like all those movies with the martial arts like i was always entertained by those okay. you know and you know and eight heads in a double bag you know i was who wasn't into any mafia movies and stuff like that and you know like my diverse is really like i could sit there and watch you know pirates of the caribbean and just maybe just because i'm i was always a big movie person mm-hmm. so I've probably watched thousands and thousands of movies over, you know, my life and, you know, just different parts of different movies just seem to, to reach out, you know? So I was always big with the martial arts movies and I'm like, Oh, this would be a great idea. You know, why not pair? All right. And I get a lot of horror. I'm a big Friday the 13th fan. Love Friday the 13th. Right. So I'm like, so my thinking was when I put this book together, I want some martial arts. Okay. So I got that with the, the feudal Japan and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I wanted a character that'll stand out, right? Friday, Jason, Michael, you know, those guys stand out among other characters, right? right? That are in film industry. So what can I do to make it? And then finding an artist that would be able to see my vision and I did I found her I found her in a Facebook group and she's done just that and my vision whatever whenever I need pictures of of stuff and it's weird because a lot of people could come up with ideas I have to see a picture so I have to uh, what's this artist's name oh man she's not in this country but her uh She's in uh, Bulgaria. Her, her name is Vanessa Garvaka. Okay. I'm saying that right. You know, okay. How do you spell her last name? Uh, I think it's on the back of the book. Let's you see. Know, she, yeah, flip the book. It's on the back. Okay. Vanessa, G-A-R-K-O-V-A. Very interesting yeah, artwork. So you could look her up. Now, yeah. 
I'm going to skip to the next question. So what's the weirdest comment or question you've received about your work? I, I really haven't experienced too many weird questions. Except you know, today. <laughs> okay. Uh, listen, you know, being, you put yourself out there. So you're going to be subject to criticism mm -hmm. and, you know, um, people making odd comments, you know, what all I could say is with that, I haven't really got too many, but okay. you got to expect, you got to expect the unexpected, you know, being in an industry where you're out in front of the public, you know, with different people, different races, different ethnic groups, you, you got to expect questions, right? And mm -hmm. some, uh, some are, are straightforward and some, it just might take you by surprise, you know? So, um, that's how I just go. Expect the unexpected. So speaking of the public, cancel culture, I mean, it's just a rampant thing. It's it's nuts. What are, what are some of your thoughts on cancel culture? And are you worried about being canceled? Is this something you think no. about? No, not I don't think all. so. I don't think you're, you don't seem very controversial, right? No, I, I, a lot of my books, I mean, there's nothing controversial about a martial arts person just going on a tear and just killing everybody you know yeah no um, it's actually but, helpful it's a good thing yeah <laughs> um it, what it does with a lot of writers and depending upon politics and and things like that it makes you weary about writing about that type of thing you yeah. know like yeah. getting nervous about putting certain things in books that where maybe 10 or 15 years ago you would mm. you know now it's double think about what type of topic that you're going to write about um what kind of scenarios so it questions a writer you know when he comes up with ideas you know what to write in a book but mm -hmm. if he has that thought and be like hey let me brush that aside let me let me throw that thought out the window or just not even think about it right you know you know like like a writer like me that would maybe potentially think of something like that right you know you, you second guess it where other writers that have been more dominating for the last 30 to 40 years wouldn't even think about, you know, that. So, mm. so, you know, um, but like newer writers, I think it definitely, you definitely second guess yourself. Mm. I mean, I always second guess myself, but very recently I performed stand up. Um, they're openly uh, the son of the Gambino family and the son of the Genovese crime family just on Saturday. And I was told by the booker that I would not have gotten the job doing stand up if my act wasn't pretty outspoken about um, some public figures in the political society a year ago. And very interesting enough, my dad's usually on the mark. He's a very smart guy. But I even said to him, he tried to get me to do almost like knock knock jokes like like talking about my sneakers or talking about birds or something and he didn't want me to be controversial and i was like you know i really i really considered it but i'm like no i there's things to say there's things we need to say i'm going to say them and if people don't like it tough and you know what I, i'm getting gigs and people really appreciate and thank me for it so i don't know to anyone who's listening if you have something that you feel in your gut that you feel strongly of course, if you know, if you open your mouth and you're human, you have opinions, you're, you're gonna, you know, piss off someone, someone's not gonna like it. But there's a lot of people you might be helping out. But yeah, you know, you might get canceled, sure. <laughs> but you, I, I think your stuff is, is, um, you, you know, you're not gonna piss anyone off. I don't, you don't, you don't seem like someone who's gonna ruffle too many feathers, but you do seem like an artist for sure, which I super respect and hardworking. I mean, really hardworking. Um, okay. So we're going to go, let's go. Okay. Steven Seagal. We're going to go back to Steven Seagal. Now I came up with a theory that very simply put, there's two types of people. There's people that love Trump and hate Trump. And there's people that also love Steven Seagal and hate Steven Seagal. And this was like one of the most heated, fun arguments with my last boyfriend before we broke up. He, he like couldn't really stand Trump and he would actually call me Trump all the time. And he really couldn't stand Steven Seagal what he turned into. And I, I kind of love it. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Any thoughts on this idea of different types of people disliking these two <laughs> or well, liking them? Well, you could you could say, you know, certain people like like Steven Seagal doesn't exactly have the best uh, you know, people he's hated in Hollywood. Right. You know, he's got that reputation where he's hated and, uh, you know, Trump, Trump is hated in his country, too. Right. But at the end of the day, they, you know, Seagal would do what he had to do for what he was doing. Trump did what he had to do to, mm -hmm. to get things 
done. So they were both people that did the right thing, I think, mm-hmm. you know. Um, you know, they they took down the bad guys and, 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 you know, you know, and did what they needed to do to make, you know, to make money for, say, his family, like Seagal, you know, he did plenty of movies back in the 90s and early mm-hmm. 2000s, right? Trump did what he had to do to, you know, you know, make this country better running. So, mm-hmm. you know, in, in essence, they, they, they both have their strong points. And, you know, you know, one thing that Trump I didn't like about him anyway was, you know, the way he talked to people. So, you know, that could have been a little bit, a lot better. You know, you want to go with, you know, whether you like the guy or not, you know, uh-huh. there's a lot of haters and there's not a lot of haters, right? Mm-hmm. But he didn't really talk to people nicely. I have to say, you know, always respect people, no matter yeah. if you don't like them doing their job or not. And, you know, don't, don't bully, you know? Yes, you know? yes. Yes, it was actually one of my last texts of the day. Uh, basically, I, I will never, I, I'm going to not negotiate who I am. Um, but, you know, I, I try to always be respectful. And sometimes just me being me, someone's not going to like it. I think someone might not have liked it very much yesterday, but I was very respectful. So as long as you're respectful, you can't help it the way someone's like. So my last question for you, I think my last question before we wrap up, is uh, I try to I try to make every action I take have a why. Why am I doing this? It's not just you know tsunami of of a tsunami in your book. The way the book starts off of action. Um, is are there reason? Are there things that you hope that the reader gets from your book? Is there an experience or information you want them to have? Well, I, I think every. You know, you have 10 people in a room, you're going to get 10 different answers. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I guess it would be more of an entertainment value. You know, everybody, especially here in New York, you know, with all the stress and everything like that, that that goes on people's lives. Right. Right. I would hope that someone would pick this book up and be like, hey, you know, I, you know, you really entertain me. You, You know, the book really was great. It was a great read. I could read this you know, four or five times over. Oh, wow. You know, I would love to, to hear people say that. And, you know, different fairs that I've done on the island, I bumped into people that complimented me on how good it was written. It's like, oh, what made you write it? And hey, you know, people that just, like, come to my table and, you know, whether I'm doing a cradle con or eternal con or whatever, whatever's on Long Island, or even if it's out of state, right? Right. You know, I get people that ask me, what made you write it? You know, so I, I love mingling and talking to different people about what I do. But my whole goal is to take your mind off what's going on in people's lives, right? Because people have, you know, I mean, there's enough mental health issues that are going out there, right? Mm -hmm. So if I could help one person, you know, be entertained, forget about their problem or, you know, whatever's going on in their life at that particular time, whether it's job, husband, wife, girlfriend, you know, kids, whatever it might be. Right. I did my job for that one person. Doesn't matter if it's, you know, if it's, you know, and they contact me or just say, like, I, lo- I loved your book, you know, anymore, you know, like my job is an entertainer. Um, no. Yeah. So someone that writes and enjoys writing, enjoys talking to people. But if I could talk to, like, I had one person that just had a boatload of you know, issues at, at one of the cons I did. And I sat there and I talked to him and oh, nice. was really depressed about so many different things. And then like, I felt bad for him. So I gave him the two books charge for him because you know what, that one time that you, you know, could possibly talk to someone yeah. about their life and them opening up. And then you just know that, you know, that someone has a significant you know, issues that are bugging them. Listen, are we all perfect? No. Do we all have issues? Yeah, I'm sure we do. Everyone. But be able to be a human being, not, I don't, if I, that this book ever blows up, I do not want to ever be looked at as a superstar because my, 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 my reach to other people is going to be how I could help them and, you know, entertain them reading the book. Because I think that's then it being a human being than a writer that's trying to make money. 
you know? I love that. And, yeah, no, it's really touching. It's and, really important. You never know who you're going to touch. No, don't. And, you know, you deal with, you know, hundreds or thousands of people walking in the door. You just don't know what mm-hmm. people people are you know bugging or something that they need to be entertained entertainment is supposed to be entertainment and just whether it's a book listen to music or, mm-hmm. or something. you know i think those things are extremely important in someone's life yeah you know you re- you reaching out listening to someone and not brushing them away from something right you never, you never know how you never you know. You never know brushing someone away. That's, you know, the, maybe you're the last person to brush them off and they say, forget it. You know, I'll say one, this will be my final thought to wrap up really. And we're going to get your socials. You know, it's so important. It's, it's really, it's really special. And I really love that you sat down with this person because you never know, you never know, maybe there's no one else. And I remember there's one day uh, over 10 years ago, probably 12 years ago or so. And I was so depressed and I was in a Whole Foods. I lived in DC and I was so depressed and I guess people walking by could see it. So there was a man that I guess you could just see. I looked like I really felt hopeless, like just like hopeless. And he walked up and I think he just asked me if I was OK. And just the fact that there was someone that seemed like sweet, that cared and asked if I was OK. The rest of my day was like I just had a little more hope restored in humanity. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. And I think that's important, you know. Like, like I said, just, you know, just reaching out to those type of people, you know, you don't know who's going through what. So it's, I think, especially, you know, mental health is especially out there with, you don't know who's, you know, and if you could reach out to that one person and to that person, or like I said, like someone came up to me, was walking around he, and then he just seemed like something was bugging him. You could just yeah. tell by by your the way you walk or just the way you look you know so okay. if i could reach out and he sat there we talked about you know i had people walking by the table but at that point you know it's like that's more important than listening to someone yeah. about issues than definitely selling one book you know I'm glad you did that on that note i'm one minute late to a health counseling session with someone who needs my help to be healthier <laughs> so the final thoughts uh please list your social medias and your website so people can find you sure it's my name frankie stefano author.com and i'm on facebook under same name instagram as well and twitter under the same name so i have no pen name so it's just my name all frankie right stefano on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and my um, email, not my email, my, my website is frankiestefanoauthor.com, and you could, pur- you could purchase the books there, and uh, you could see all about me. Leave me some emails. Beautiful. All right, beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. All right, that was our fast 20 minutes. It goes fly by. We went over 20 minutes. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, now for more, it came from the radio. See you later. Ever wanted to enter the world of comics but didn't know where to start? Worry not, true believers. We at the Comic Book School may just have the answer to your questions. Created by comics veteran Buddy Scalera, the Comic Book School is a free online educational resource that helps rising creators learn the craft and business of making comics through resources like forums, interviews, publication opportunities, publisher guidelines, and step-by-step blog posts. For more info, please visit our site at www.comicbookschool.com. Be sure to join our forums and follow us on social media while you're there. We'll see you on the message boards. Now, back to our show. Hi, Radioheads. You know I'm L-Man. I'm here with Shanti Hershenson, teenage author. And how many books has she written? She's written a bunch of books. How many books have you written? And how old are you? What? Uh, I've written 19 books, and I'm 14 years old. Wait, 19? Yeah. That's the most, because I've, I've interviewed two other teenage authors. You got them beat. And you started, I, I, I did a little research. I think she started in, uh, I'm, I'm talking about you like you're not here. She started in sixth grade, right? Sixth grade yeah. was your first book? Yeah. Okay. Could you tell us a little bit how you put a book out in sixth grade? What? So the first two, it's, it's a really kind of complicated answer. The first That's two cool. books I wrote and published were these two novellas that I did with a friend. Technically, they're my first books. They're like, mm-hmm. basically, I don't know. They're not very long. Um, long they're like. They? 50 pages each so that's for sixth grade that's still long that's still pretty great yeah um but then the pandemic hit and I was Mm -hmm. isolated I was bored I didn't know what to do so I was like I'm gonna write like an actual novel 
And um, so that's what I started doing. I actually started writing it, imagining it was going to be only around 20,000 words. Okay. And after a few months, I could not stop writing. I just couldn't, I don't know, I just couldn't stop. And in about a few months, I had 250,000 words and 800 pages, which is way too long to publish. So I actually split the book into three books. And then I wrote a fourth one later on. That's not important. So I did split the book into three books and I published um, the first novel, which is technically my debut novel, but I, it's weird. I had published some novellas in the poetry collection beforehand just to kind of fill in the gap and fill a platform. It's complicated. Wait a um, second, wait a second. Your first book you published in the, in the pandemic, so you did 19 books in the pandemic? No, so, no, no. Um, 17? I've published 11 books. During the pandemic. Right. Yeah, I've written 19. So yeah, uh, and a lot of people have just watched TV and eaten cheese yeah. or something. Look at you. Thanks. Wow. So yeah, um, I ended up publishing that first book. It's technically my first novel, but um, and then I have I just kept writing. I don't know the exact number of novels I've written compared to novellas, okay. but I believe it's around I'm not gonna do the math, but the majority of the books mm-hmm. I've written now are full-length novels. So um, super impressive. I have a health guidebook, 145 pages. And uh, it took me, I think I really didn't get started on that too much until I was 26, 27, and then 30, I buckled down. So yeah, this is this is a nice little fire under my butt to get me going because I got 200 pages to add, but I get like nervous because I'm such a perfectionist. So before I do anything, my tongue gets a little numb. Um, I don't really have that too much because I'm kind of comfortable doing the interviews now, but I, there's a level of, uh, I, you know, I'll keep putting it off and putting it off. Do you ever find that happens? It doesn't seem like it. <laughs> there are some times when I find myself a little worried that like, oh no, what if this isn't good enough? But I kind mm-hmm. of have to push through because I set goals. And if I spend like an hour procrastinating, I may not reach my goal. Mm-hmm. And that's scarier than the book not being good enough. So, you know, there's always editing. So, yeah. So how did you get so confident at such a young age? You're, wait, are you 16 now? Uh, 14. So. Oh my God. Okay. You're 14 now. <laughs> yeah. A lot of 14 year olds. I had my first kiss at 14. I haven't really kissed that many people since I'm 38. I don't plan to. I know. Um, you know, a lot of people want to kiss a lot of people, but I was 14. That was old at the time. I know some girl made fun of me, but she, she was mad that I, I was with her boyfriend. But anyway, I was not writing books at 14 and I, I was always somewhat confident, but I don't think I was confident enough to write. I, I stayed after school with one of my teachers in fifth grade, Mr. Kramer, and he believed in me and we were writing this book together. But then there was a teacher strike at Cantia Jericho High School. But no, I did not have the confidence and belief in myself that I could write even maybe 50 pages by myself at 14. So how the F did you get so confident and how, how do you know that you can do this? So honestly, I have to say when I started, I wasn't at all confident by Unlock, which is my first novel. I have to say when I started writing it, I just I vaguely remember asking my parents, like, am I a good writer? I'm a good writer. They hadn't read the books. They didn't know. And I was just extremely nervous at first. But as I kept editing, honestly, I started to feel a lot better. But there, there was a lot of just insecurity particularly at that time it was 2020 Mm -hmm. and that was when there were there was I feel like a kind of increase in teenagers writing books and Mm -hmm. like I felt really insecure about my own writing I was like well I'm not special I'm not and then I kind of kept writing it was like okay maybe I'm a little special um this is a lot of books but each book I wrote each round of editing I did it got easier and when it got easier I started to feel more confident yeah um I got to say, I still have moments where I'm really insecure about my writing in my books, but then I have reviews now. I have people who've actually read my books. Right. Um, but really, it's just over time, I've just gotten confident about my mm-hmm. writing and I've gotten confident that I can write like a 400 page novel in like two months because it. it just it gets easier every time. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I talk a lot about confidence or I'll get into I've had clients that have, I had one client that came to me for nutrition years ago, because that's, I have a health guidebook and it was weight loss and, and moods. And then he came to me, he wanted me to help increase his confidence a couple of years ago. And I said, you know, my, my specialty isn't really confidence, but I said, you know, I'll figure it out. So I gave him all these techniques and one of them was just to do things. And um, there's a lot of spiritual mumble jumble people that say you should pray or just if you believe it you can be it and sure you know you have to have that belief in your head at first but the way to get confidence I always say is to be a winner to win it's like once you have a win you have one book that is good or decent you go oh that actually is proof in your hands holy crap 
I'm really good. And then you do it again and you do it again. So there's proof, but to just tell yourself, I'm a good writer, I'm a good writer. It's like, how do you know you're a good writer until you do it? So you're proof, proof in the pudding. And the, the, the more you do, I'm sure the more confident you'll get, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's really, it's really, really cool. Now I want to talk about one book in specifically. So you have the accidental insurgent and the, the, the first line in the description is one mistake can ruin your life. So what are some mistakes you've seen people make or yourself that you think has ruined their lives? Hmm. Different I perspectives. Lots. I can go for that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a social media aspect that celebrities very often okay. will um, say something and get canceled. Um, or I mean, what, what I find interesting is I think the um, butterfly effect is really interesting. So something may not be a mistake, but like you could make a decision and then your life could be completely different mm-hmm. than what it could have been had you chosen a different option. That always interests me because mm-hmm. um, I don't, it's not even a mistake. Just I chose to move cities for school and it didn't turn out well, but then I have my book. So it's not technically a mistake, mm-hmm. but honestly, it maybe could have been a mistake had I stayed in Los Angeles and just stayed in private school because then maybe I wouldn't have written my books. Where did you move to? Um, San Diego. And what's the difference? Like, how do you feel different? What's, what, what things are different in your life because of the move? I prefer San Diego, definitely, because mm-hmm. it's it's a lot. Um, well, Ca- Southern California is an absolute oven right now. Um, and San Diego is very hot, but it's not as hot mm-hmm. as Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So okay. there's that. And I mean, we're like a few miles from the beach. So that's very nice. Yes. And LA is very crowded. And often it's you know, it's a, it's a bit of a larger city. I don't know. I live in North County. So okay, it's a little, um, you mentioned cancel culture. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on cancel culture? Do you think that some of these people, let's say a celebrity, let's say me, I mean, I got like five to seven films coming out in 2023. I say all types of crazy stuff, probably one podcast alone. Someone could find something I say and they can cancel me. Uh, do you think that people are going to be canceled forever? Do you think it's going to stick? Do you think that cancel culture is going to end? Do you think it's going to get worse? What do you think? So I think with cancel culture, it has, it really depends on what someone did. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Because I do think there are people out there, like celebrities out there that have done a lot wrong and don't really deserve to be famous. Ezra Miller. Yeah. (laughs) She knows. (laughs) But um, if you like, I mean, it's hard to take something that someone did 10 years ago. I mean, if it was something really bad, like 100%, but it really does depend on what someone does. Mm -hmm. Because I think we now in 2022, there's more of an accountability towards people who like misuse their platform. But also there are people that take it too far. Mm -hmm. So for example, like, I'm just thinking of one situation, just a thing like, if someone does something wrong, but it's not like actually harming anyone else, but it's just something that they shouldn't have done or they mismarketed their book, educate them, but don't hate on them and don't try to ruin their career. That's my opinion. Like Like always, like you kind of always have to just, I don't know, like don't go out of your way to hurt someone else. If what they did, well, it was wrong, didn't hurt anyone. Right. I mean, like, what if they committed tax fraud? But I don't think that's actually uh-huh. cancelable. Um, I don't know. I have really- He good- says that tax fraud. So Wesley Snipes in the movie Blade, he had some tax issues. Did you ever see the movie Blade? Don't think so. I would like you to see that because I'm 38, just turned 38. You're a lot younger than me. It's one of my favorite movies ever. Now, he got in trouble for some tax evasion and uh, he's one of my favorite superheroes of all time. So maybe at a later date, we'll, we'll see what your thoughts are of the movie Blade. <laughs> Go a little detour on that one. And maybe you'll get some inspiration for writing because yeah. it kind of is an epic movie about vampires. Vampires, <laughs> half vampire, half human. And he's kind of killing the bad vampires. He's a hybrid. Yeah, well, that's kind of cool. Little aside. Okay, we're going to skip to uh, another book you have. It's, it's about using poetry to dispel or deal with anger. So how does writing help you specifically to deal with uncomfortable emotions, anger, sadness, loneliness, depression, who knows, anything? So for me, writing has always been a bit of an outlet. I've always used it when I felt sad to try to work through my problems. Mm-hmm. I remember in fourth grade and oh, I wish I still had it. I got bullied in fourth grade. And as a response, I wrote this little book. Okay. It was very, I just, because I was like completely hurting, but the year was coming mm-hmm. to a close. and I didn't know what to do. So I was like, I mean, you could try to, you know, write. 
And I did, and I felt embarrassed of it. Mm. And I'm pretty sure I threw it behind my sister's dresser, and yeah. I don't know if we have it still. I hope um, we find it. Yeah, but then flash forward to sixth grade, I got bullied really, really badly, and I wrote a book and published it, and um, here we are now. So, Well, I know it might be a sore subject, but if you're comfortable talking about it, why do these people bully you? And can you send them to me? Because I would love to talk to these people. <laughs> I would. No, I'm, I'm not joking. I'm serious. I would love to know so, who they are. And I don't, I'm not going to do anything mean. But I just want to know who they are and put them on my S list, you know? So I'm serious. This isn't a joke. What do they so, do you? Um, well, I just, whenever I think of, like, I really think of fourth grade, which was, but wasn't okay. nearly as bad as sixth grade. Um, just kids bullied me because I was the, like, weird girl who was into, like, quote, unquote, quote, like, boy things. And, like, I liked Beyblades. And I was the only girl that liked Beyblades in the grade. And kids were pretty Wait, mean to me over Beyblades? that. It's a kids game, like, oh, okay. but it's very heavily marketed. It's like a TV show too, and it's heavily marketed towards boys. That's so cool. I unfair. played with all the boys in recess. Yep. I played sports. That's that. That was not a problem at my age. I don't know what. How is that a problem? I don't know. It was like I didn't like the kind of the girls in our grade didn't really have too much of a connection with me because uh-huh. I liked more boy things, and I had like maybe in fourth grade I had like all my best friends were boys and some of them were also very mean to me maybe so that was jealous the girls probably probably I don't know yeah, okay. maybe but then sixth grade was just straight up abuse like I don't even know if that's really even bullying anymore it was just bad wow. <laughs> like there wasn't even a reason behind it it was just completely like ridiculous well I've, I've actually been lucky I've never been bullied and they say if you've never been bullied maybe you're the bully I don't I I, I do recall not being nice to, to one one girl uh, it wasn't mean, mean, but I, I could have been nicer. I definitely wasn't bullying, but I will tell you this. I believe in karma. There's you know a lot of woo woo thoughts on spirituality and stuff, but I have to say, I, I read a book called the power of karma about 20, 2007. My mom made me read it. I didn't believe in anything spiritual, nothing. Now that's one of the things I strongly believe. And I'll, I'm not going to say his name, but there was one guy and he was an Adonis. I was even out, I was out clubbing. I used to go clubbing in my twenties. And I, this guy was so good looking. All the girls liked him. He knew he was good looking. He was just, he looked fantastic. And this girl next to me goes, she just looks up. She goes, you're an Adonis. And he knew it. And he, he actually, he actually treated people like garbage. I remember he made fun of R worded people, um, like on Facebook. And it's like, why are you doing this? You know, to the point where I was like, I hope you have an R worded kid because you can experience. And even, um, to me, he was kind of mean. It's like, I, I never really had anyone be kind of mean like this to me. And most part, people at 26, 27, I really just hadn't dealt with. I, I've been lucky. I have had other issues in life. Don't worry. But anyway, I think these people, back to you, I think they're going to get theirs. I like to see people get what they deserve. I don't like to see people suffer, but for the good, I love to see people like you're working so hard. I hope great things happen with you. Thanks. People that are sweet to other people. I just hope they get what they want. But when it comes to people who are glad of their way to be mean, I don't know. In my experience, I haven't seen it work out too well. And I did have someone threaten me and I found out and I said I wanted to retaliate. But I found out years later, he ended up in the hospital. He was either oh. shot or stabbed. And it, it was just so he was so crazy with me and my family. I, I, I thought about retaliating. I said, no, don't. you're better than that. Don't do that. I said, someone's going to take care of them. So someone's going to take care of these people. Now, let's <laughs> let's go back to your books. Now, any aspiring, any advice for aspiring writers who want to get published? And how do you get published? Like, I mean, there's lots of ways, but what are your recommendations? So I think the publishing journey really varies for each person. For me, I self-published with um, two platforms, Kindle Direct Publishing and Ingram Spark. Mm-hmm. What I think um, for teenagers and especially because it's it can be hard if you want to publish as a teenager which you know can be good for college applications and just in general it's a really great experience I'd recommend self-publishing first Mm -hmm. doing interviews just keep on writing maybe release a few books um just self-publish them and then just build a platform you know post on social media and maybe Mm -hmm. when you're a little older this is what I'm going to do I'm going to try to query for an agent unless I'm already successful enough that I don't have to because there's a chance with every book I release because my platform literally increases every book I increase right. I do better each time that I may not need to traditionally publish in a few years and I'll be fine as a self-published author yeah. so then also when I'm going to college I won't need to have like a part-time job or anything because I might mm-hmm. be okay and I mean either way I'll either be traditionally published by the time I go to college or I'll be successful self-publishing so mm-hmm. it really does sort of depend on how things go right. but 
I just think if you want to self if you want to publish young, try self-publishing and building a platform. And if you want to query for an agent, honestly, go for it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing, like how I publish might not work for someone else and my strategy might not work for someone else. It really just yeah. depends on what works for you. Definitely. The only, honestly, my biggest tip as for writing is just write the same amount every day and just pick yeah. an amount and stick to it. For me, I do a thousand words a day, yeah. but then over the summer, I often will do more. And yeah. that helps you improve. Like with each day you write, you're going to do better. And it's just honestly the best advice I can give. Yeah, you're very well spoken. I mean, thank you. I know 20, 30, 40, 50 year olds and they can't speak how you do. I mean, I'm even <laughs> bumbling over my words. I'm very tired. Though. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, speaking of writer's block and being in the flow, because you're, you're very free, free flowing speaking, even more than, more than me. I'm older than me. Maybe I'm just getting old. Maybe that's what it is. I'm, I'm, just, I'm decaying before your <laughs> eyes. And that's why I, I'm getting tongue tied. Maybe that's what's going on. But my question is, because I have a health guidebook and it's, it's for focus and cognitive function and being your best, thinking, looking your best. Do you have any behaviors or foods, anything you do that you find that leads to writer's block? And do you have any that read, leads to um, a flowingness? Oh, and I figured it out. I had popcorn last night. Anytime I have popcorn, I get tongue-tied the next day. I shouldn't have done it. Interesting. Yes, popcorn can mess think- up your... Mm, I'm not quite sure about foods. I do think that caffeine is good for not, I don't know, not necessarily, but honestly, just in terms of behaviors, of course, having a kind of no routine to your day and having no routine just in general, um, you'll have more trouble writing because I feel like if you just have, you know, you have a time where you write each day, it's a lot better. I've kind of actually fallen out of that habit. I have to get back to that. But like (laughs) in the middle of the pandemic, I would wake up and at 11, I would start writing and I wouldn't stop until I was done for the day. Right. Um, but honestly, just building that routine is especially helpful. I find that exhaustion, especially, especially after like, if I have a long, hard school day, which I haven't had since middle school, but mm-hmm. if you have a very kind of difficult school day, then I do find that people often um, will have trouble writing. At least I have. Yeah. Um, in eighth grade, like I had a pretty hard year just all throughout middle school. I'm in ninth grade now and I'm, I'm doing great. Nice. But in middle school, it was pretty difficult. And sometimes I would find myself just not wanting to write and I would still write, but it would take longer and I'd lay on my bed just contemplating my day first before yeah, I even got yeah. to writing. I think I contemplate my day too much. I love how, see, you can get advice from people of all ages and uh, you're very inspiring right now. I, I do a lot of contemplation and I've gotten away from the routine. And I find that a lot of people who aren't successful or they're just not maxing out their potential, the lack of routine seems to be a problem. So this is a really good reminder to keep some routine. It doesn't have to be 11 every day, but maybe it's between 11 and one, give yourself a range where there's some semblance of a routine. I, I do think that there's a correlation between the routine and success and productivity. So my yeah. next question, we're almost at the close. Um, let's me, I have two, let's see. Now, writing can be very isolating. It's not usually a team sport. I mean, I guess you could have someone hold your hand or rub your feet or give you a back <laughs> massage while you're writing. I would, I would love that, I'd write a lot more. How do you balance the isolation in writing with connection because it's so important to have a human connection to also keep that spark in your brain to keep you mentally okay it's surprising to a lot of people but I really do like you know I think an important thing is like I have friends that I talk to online and Mm -hmm. we hang out a lot in person and that's especially helpful Mm -hmm. it's also especially for teen authors you know I know a lot of teen authors even myself like I spend a lot of time in my room writing all day but it's also important to you know have dinner with your family talk to your family like hang out with them and connect with your family um if you have a family that's easy to connect with which I thankfully do I think I was thinking that I was like I bet her family is very supportive yeah they are you seem very mentally happy and chill Hey. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a brother or sister is like tormenting you. No. Thank God. But yeah, I just really think like, you know, connect with the people around you, you know, mm-hmm. like as an adult, you know, I'm like probably at some point I'm going to have kids and I'm going to have to spend time with them. Like I'm not going to be the writer that's in my room all day or I'm not going to go to You're a not. hotel to write and I don't remember the plot of The Shining. Never mind. I don't remember the plot uh-huh. of The Shining. But yeah, no, I'm not going to write um to 100 pages of all work and no play, make Shanti a doll girl, and then try right. to family. Don't worry. Uh-huh. <laughs> but anyways, I hope so, not. did you see that movie? Oh yeah, actually recently, yeah. recently I rewatched. I um, 
Mm-hmm. My parents, maybe my sister and my parents, maybe watch it in the middle of the pandemic, like right when I was writing my first book. Oh wow, scary. Um, I have to I have to watch all the writing horror movies, of course. Um, my family torments me with them. It's funny. Um, but yeah, like you know, when I'm older, I'm probably gonna have kids. I'm gonna have a husband. It's like connection is mm-hmm. important. Like mm-hmm. you know, going out as a family is going to be important. And I'm going to make that time. Um. And it shouldn't be too hard. Really, what I do, if I can just do it quick enough, is like an hour of writing each day. That's how long it takes to do a thousand words if you just, you know, really so try. You work for an hour a day, by that time, you're going to have like 40 books out if you keep going at this rate. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could just retire or you yeah. could work for an hour or two a day and then spend time doing whatever with your family, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, once my kids are at school and if my husband goes to work, like I could write six hours a day. Yeah. At least a lot more books. And that's, possibly what's gonna happen either that or I write for an hour a day and just chill and like have fun I love it my last question in the book never dying that you wrote I'm not gonna quote other authors that would be funny if I did (laughs) I was like hey R.L. Stein um now it's it says if you could live forever would it be a gift or a disease I would say it's a disease as my vampire character says I keep getting smarter while you keep getting dumber and that's what happens if you live forever as a vampire so would you want to live forever it's gift or disease I don't know if I was the only one living forever that'd be fun actually that remind that reminded me there's a TikTok trend and it's you know have you seen the snail trend no I I don't know why every time I think of never dying every time I bring up never dying everyone always mentions it so would you live forever in the like under one condition and the condition is that there is a snail and it's also immortal and it can't be killed but at all times it's slowly inching towards you and if it touches you you're gonna die like really painfully but you know it's a snail so you can easily run away right right so yeah it it was on a would you rather from like 2013 yeah Yeah. never thought about this when I think about some crazy things so we're at the end of the interview. You're very interesting, super thank inspiring. You. I mean, I, I have two of my most interesting interviews today. So thank you and Ben Johnson. Um, final thoughts for society came from the radio one and two. Close us out with where can we find you, website, socials. Okay. So first, um, this is, I think, a really good starting place. You can okay. find me at my website, which is shantihershenson.com. That's S-H-A-N-T-I-H-E-R-S-H-E-N-S-O-N.com. You can also find me on Instagram, which is just at shantihershenson. Twitter is at shantihersh. And then TikTok, where I post writing tips, just things about my books and my story in general, is at shantihuwrites. That one, I recommend going to just to get to know me more and find some tips even if you want to ask me a question you can just dm me on tiktok or comment on one of my videos or dm me on instagram but sometimes my dms get very full so yeah yeah i mean i can't get back to them and any final thoughts any random thoughts something you want to share i don't know (laughs) to be continued then so thank you so much and now mark back to more came from the radio thank you for having me hey guys this is christy from custom cakes by christy i want you to know that i'm here for you I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C-K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. This is Quentin Flynn, a popular voice actor known for Axel, Tamon, and Raiden from the Metal Gear series. And you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Stick around. If you had any honor, you would listen to Sci-Fi.Radio, the sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. Kapla! Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on the Came From The Radio. Join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of this show, tough. go to our newly revised website, www.itcamefromradio.com. The archives will be up in a week or so. Check us out on such places as btd.radio, sci-fi.radio, indievolt.com. Check us out on our places such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube page, Twitter. And always follow the cost-benefit ratio. If the benefits outweigh the costs, do it. If the costs outweigh the benefits, don't do it. Or 
just Google, it came from the radio. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.